everyone, this is Caleb, and I'm so grateful that you've decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. We are continuing as I look back through 2021 and share some of the things that I've learned throughout this entire year, some of the best things that I've learned from as well. And any ideas or resources that you hear from in this episode, I would encourage you to go check out the show notes to continue to learn from those things as well. I would love for you, if you have ideas of topics or guests that you would love us to talk with in 2022, please reach out to me, learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Or if there's anything that you're just super excited about that you're learning about, I would love to hear from you as well. There's two core ideas, two core beliefs that drive a lot of what we do here in the podcast. The first one is this, is that we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations. And the second thing is this, is that we believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone and from anything and from everything, regardless of whether or not we agree with them on everything. And so, as I mentioned today, we're looking back on 2021 and all the things that I've learned from. So let's continue that now. this episode, I want to look around a lot of the stuff that I've learned around the interior life and, and some of the ways, what some of the things of which I've learned about and some of the ways in which I've grown through that. And this is something that I began thinking about in 2020, particularly around the work of Steve Cuss um, and anxiety and his book, Managing Leadership Anxiety, is long, or, and that led me you know, to interviewing him, and he was on the podcast, and we'll link to that. Uh, we'll link to that episode in the show notes along with everything else that, we met, that I mentioned here in the episode. And so that, that really got me thinking about it. And I think the, the, one of the things that I could probably summarize my, a lot of my learnings from is from this idea that I heard recently from Suzanne Stabile while reading her book, um, The Journey Towards Wholeness, which is about the Enneagram, and then also uh, in our conversation, which we had earlier. And she talks about the difference between change and transformation. And she says, change occurs when you take on something new. You know, maybe you add a, a new discipline or a spiritual practice, or it could be a spiritual practice as well. It could be uh, a new habit or, um, or, or anything, just add, adding something new or taking on something new to your life. And transformation occurs when something old falls away. And it's usually something beyond your control. And she goes on and has this quote and says, you have to be willing to give up things for transformation. And I think one of the things that I've been learning a lot is learning and working to let go of the things that are beyond my control and focusing on the things that are in my control. And a lot of the things that I feel like I'm 
letting go of are, you know, tying it back to other things that I've already covered in kind of this uh, series looking back on 2021 is a lot of the the false beliefs or lies that I um, told myself maybe growing up or that I picked up on, you know, unintentionally, you know, along the way in John Mark Comer um, has, has helped a lot in, in identifying those things. And there's a lot of things with that as well. And one of the things that has been, um, been very difficult for me is that I think I, for the longest time, I, I told myself that my voice didn't matter, that what I said didn't matter. And I had, and I had picked that up, um, uh, unintentionally and that I, um, and that I wasn't good enough on my own and that I had, and because of that, I had nothing valuable to say. And that led, um, honestly to like a lot of, um, like work that I had, like bleep that I had to work through, especially like being on, being on the podcast and, you know, especially moving from, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, I used to have a co-host and we would do this and named Todd, you know, Todd was just on the podcast a little bit ago and we would do this together. And that kind of, you know, helped me in a, and working, working through that and kind of depending on him for that. And then he, he left and I had to work through that and go, it was, it was kind of just me you know, doing the interviews and everything, and then uh, making making another big leap this year through doing episodes like the library, and not only that, but doing episodes like this, and working to do episodes uh, around like creating my own content and thoughts and stuff like separate um, from other people's as well. And so it's, it's been quite a year of learning about myself and learning to become even more comfortable with myself. And one of the things that I've, uh, that I learned about that has been very helpful to me in learning about myself is this thing called the working genius. And it's from Patrick Lencioni and, uh, I'll link to it in, in the show notes. It's, it's kind of a personality, uh, profile. It is one of the better ones. In my opinion, I really like this. It's very easy to understand as well. And it is, um, it helps us best understand what we are, are best at in terms of kind of work though. I wouldn't necessarily say it's just work as well. Cause I think this works outside of work as well, but I think it, it helps us better identify our gifts. And so I, I want to go through, um, the working genius and, you know, I'll, then I'll kind of share, uh, some of my thoughts from it and where, um, and what I'm, what I'm good at and stuff. And so there's six types for it. The first one is wonder, and it's the natural gift of pondering the possibility of greater potential and opportunity in a situation. That's me. I love doing that. And this person may not necessarily solve problems, but they do see them. Invention, the natural gift of creating original and novel ideas and solutions. They get excited when they have to come up with a new way to do things. And they love starting things. Discernment. Discernment is the natural gift of intuitively and instinctively evaluating ideas and situations. Then there's galvanizing, the natural talent of rallying, inspiring, and organizing others to take action. Then there's enablement, the natural gift of providing encouragement and assistance for an idea or project. 
And it's a, and they, you know, they go on and say, I love to help. This person loves to help others. This is also me. I am 100% enablement as well. And then there is tenacity, which is the natural gift of pushing projects or tasks to completion to achieve results. This person loves to finish things. Now, kind of the framework around this is that, you know, of those six things, you have two working geniuses, which is the the activities they give you life. You might do these things for free. You love them so much. And then there is the working uh, frustrations, which these are the things to where you're not naturally good at these things. And they require a ton of energy, a ton of effort. They could be very draining for you as well. And they could take, like, if you have to do these things, it might take you like a long time. You might be hesitant to do these things. As well, and then there's these working, the working competencies. You're, you know, you're you're neutral on these things. They they may or may not. Uh, they probably don't give you life. You can do these things. Um, and what I've found is that for me, uh, I I typically like using my working competencies whenever they are tied back to you know wonder or enablement. That's whenever I love doing those things the most. Now, for me, I'll give you a quick breakdown of me. My working genius, uh, my working geniuses are wonder and enablement. My uh, competencies are galvanizing and tenacity, and my frustrations are invention and discernment. Now, the this this has helped me in a lot of ways because one, it has put language around stuff that I've always thought. Like I've always thought um, of like I've always like I've always thought that I was good at wonder and enablement, and in fact. Um, you know, at, at the church that I work at, you know, I always, um, you know, I always wanted to be on, you know, our, our campus support team that helped other people because, and I, and I thought, you know what, you know, uh, that's, you know, maybe that's, that's weird of me. And I, I really didn't think anything more about it, but the enablement piece of me makes sense because that, because I love helping other people and I love thinking about the possibilities of what we can do in, in many different areas. And, you know, the, the podcast also reflects that as well. And, um, another thing I'll just say attached to wonder real quick is that I, you know, in, in leadership, there's, there's typically this phrase that is, you know, don't bring a problem or don't tell me about a problem unless you also bring a solution to it. And I always had a problem with that, uh, saying, because, I was constantly seeing problems or opportunities, and I'm not necessarily the person who is good about coming up with the solution for said thing, but I am very good at seeing the opportunity or seeing the problem or seeing the potential of things that might happen in the future. It also is one of the things, like, and also the enablement. This is why it bothers me so much whenever I see people not being treated like what I believe to be fairly or rightly or treated in a loving way because I like I highly value that stuff and it is extremely important to me. Also, I'm good at it, which would make sense as well. And so if you haven't checked out the working genius, I would highly check out the working genius as well. It's been super helpful to me and I absolutely love it. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this Next one, uh, just because I've already covered it on the show before, and I'll link to the episode in which I do, but just this idea from Pete Cazero or Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and he talks about embracing limits and breaking through limits. And, you know, I'll, I'll summarize it for you, and then, you know, I'll link to the show notes. Is breaking through limits, I think, 
for me, it has more to deal with the the limits that you've put on yourself, maybe your personality as well. Like, hey, I am uh, I'm an introvert, and because of that, I don't believe that I can interact with people very well. And the the truth is that you can. Your capacity for maybe interacting with people is less than an extrovert, but we can sometimes place our limits, which place self-imposed limits on ourselves, which keep us from experiencing life or in or enjoyment or purpose in some cases. And embracing limits is embracing the things that are imposed on us. So for instance, let's, you know, we'll go back to the, the introvert example. You, you probably do have a limit in that more, or maybe your, your taller, I don't want to say tolerance, but your energy level is less than other people. And so you do have a cap and it might be less than other people. And I think refusing to give into that limit would be going into like a, like a dangerous zone to where, um, like you're moving past your energy levels to a point to where it's not healthy for you to be around people because you're just going to be so tired and it's going to exhaust you from the other commitments that you have. And I get into this a whole lot more in the other episode. Um, so you can, you know, get to the link to that as well. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about, and I've, uh, I've talked about this before, but I want to talk about it in, um, in a new way is, you know, really paying attention to what drives our behaviors and realizing that our behaviors are driven by our emotions and our emotions are set into action through thoughts that we have internalized as well. And so it's important for us to examine those thoughts. And, you know, one of the ways which I've started thinking about this is, um, is through something, again, I'm going back to uh, Suzanne Stabile and her work in The Journey Towards Wholeness. And for the Enneagram, you know, she, she talks about, um, how each of our, each of our types with the Enneagram. And if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, we've done plenty of episodes. Um, you can scroll through the feed and look through those as well, but each Enneagram type has, has a dominant center in it. And if it's an eight, nine or one, you know, you're, you're doing, or your body, uh, that's, that's a triad, the triad that you're put in. If you're a two, three or four, it's heart or feelings, Five, six, and seven is head or thinking in that. And so each type has a dom has the dominant triad in there. And then each side also has uh, a repressed side as well. And so for uh fives or four, fives, and nines, it's doing for ones, twos, and sixes, it is thinking, and for three, sevens, and eights, it's feeling. And realizing that I think a lot of our a lot of our growth can come from helping us raise whatever our repressed center is in that. And that, and, and not only that, but I think a lot of our growth occurs in those thinking, feeling, and doing centers as well. And so I kind of want to go through some of the things that I've learned in terms of those centers for myself and some of the things that I've learned from there. The first thing uh, that I want to talk about is thinking. Now, one of the things that I've learned a lot through this, and I actually, I learned it through Suzanne's book, is that I'm an Enneagram type three. 
And apparently we could be very anxious, which is very true as well. And it, that was very helpful to me to learning about that and discovering that because, again, it just put words and language around stuff that I didn't necessarily know. And so one of the greatest things I've learned this year is from John Acuff and from his book Soundtracks, which is all about overthinking. And I am a master in overthinking. I'm getting better at it, thankfully. But it's it's something that is very easy for me to struggle with. And I get in my head about a certain scenario. Usually it's around, you know, something to where um, actually usually it's tied to someone um, not liking me for it, which is another Enneagram three thing as well. And I get in my head and I start trying to think about different things or what what's the right thing that I can say or how can I or what can I do to make sure that this person likes me and I just keep thinking about it and thinking about it, and then I think about it some more, and then maybe I don't think about it, and then I start thinking about it again. And one of the things that I've taken away from John A. Cuff is he has this quote, and he says, the antidote to overthinking isn't more thinking. The antidote to overthinking is action. And so one of the things that I've and I've gotten better at this. It still is not easy for me. I still find myself overthinking. I do find myself overthinking less or it takes me uh, long or less time to do something. But one of the things is uh, I'm getting better about going into my mind and just telling myself, listen, you're going to do this anyway. Why not just do it now? Because ultimately I do end up doing said thing most of the time, right? pretty much all of the time. And so I just tell myself, why not just do it now? And you know what the amazing thing is? Once I do the thing, my unhelpful thinking stops for the most for the most part, and in a in a lot of situations, unless uh, and this is this is just other work to do. Unless it's you know, unless I have to wait for something, or if it's a text or something like that, then I can then it's work to you know continue to work through that. But that's one of the things that I've been learning about. So whenever I find myself overthinking about it. Just do something. Now, uh, on the, on the second of the three for doing the other thing that I've learned is in particularly, I learned it this year and I learned it from this episode with, uh, with Brene Brown, uh, is, and I learned this from, uh, Brene, from Brene. And it's that sometimes a bias for action isn't necessarily a good thing. Because something sometimes the best thing to do is to not do anything, which can be tough, especially whenever you want to do something. And I am I am very much a uh, problem solver as well, which which can make it difficult as well. And sometimes the thing is better to do that is to do not do that is to do nothing for it, which can be tough. And that's whenever, you know, I can, if I'm not doing anything, I can start getting stuck in my head. And that's whenever it comes back to, okay, how can I get my mind on something else to distract myself in a healthy way from that? Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is feeling, which is the toughest one for me. And here's, here's a couple of thoughts that, um, that I've had and that I've learned and discovered through um, feeling and helping me uh, and helping me around and even some observations that I've had this year. 
The first is this. I don't always realize all the bleep that I'm going through, all the bleep that I went through during um, during a set during said thing. I am naturally um, an optimist to a fault. And sometimes I will deny the hard things that are happening in my life for, or, or as I mentioned, all the bleep that I'm going through. Like literally this, uh, this just happened to me. I, um, there, there was something that I was dealing with a, a couple of years ago and it was just within the past, uh, couple of months that I realized, oh man, like that thing actually did really matter to me. And I didn't realize how much it mattered to me. And I've realized for me that I need to slow down more because sometimes I like to outrun my feelings or, and that it takes work for me to pause and it takes work for me to work through my emotions. And one of the things that has helped me recently within the past few months is something that I learned from AJ Sherrill of just learning to breathe better and learning whenever I'm getting anxious about something to calm down, to focus on my breathing and to move and to talk slower. Another thing that I've learned, one of the, is that um, music and stories really help me access my emotions because it's not something that it's something that I'm still becoming, I'm still gaining strength and, and I'm not naturally super strong and, and music helps me better access the feelings of other people, which in turn helps me access my own feelings as well. It helps me relate to other people better in the same for stories as well, which might be a part of my fascination with, with stories and the last thing that I think I've learned about with feelings is that sometimes it's okay to make a decision just because of your feelings. That I think feelings get such a bad rap. Emotions get such a bad rap. And emotions aren't necessarily bad, though we can treat them that way. It's okay to make a decision because you don't feel like it. And I know maybe you're listening to this and you have all but you're, you're yeah, but what about but what about, but what about, and I get that. My point is simply this though. It is okay to make a decision because of a feeling at times. If it doesn't, if it is loving towards yourself, loving towards other people and loving towards, um, and, and honoring towards other people, it's, it's okay to do that. It's okay not to do things out of obligation. Now, another big uh, takeaway, and then I want to get into some of the practices that I've started adapting, but as it pertains to the, uh, the, um, the interior life, another big idea that I've learned is this idea of fragmentation. And I got this from Dan Allender and from Kathy uh, Lorzell on the episode. Literally, it happened to me while we were listening to, or while I was doing the interview on the podcast, they talked about this idea of fragmentation. And if you're not familiar with it, it's the process or state of breaking or being broken into smaller parts. And, you know, I, I had just brought up of, um, you know, it's, it's harder, it's harder for me 
to keep track of what happened on what day. And sometimes, you know, last week feels like a month ago and, you know, I get mixed up on when exactly did this happen. I know it happened sometime in the last few weeks, but I don't exactly remember what day. And they were like, yeah, that's fragmentation. Um, that's not necessarily healthy. And they did, they didn't necessarily call me out or anything like that, but I, I felt very seen, uh, in that. And so, um, that just got me thinking of, okay, what are some things that can help me with that? And so here's some practices that have not only helped me with that, but have helped me with the interior life as well. The first one is this, and this goes to the fragmentation thing. I've started doing this thing in journaling about, and I just call them moments that mattered. And for me, what I do is I look back on the previous day and I try to figure out what are the moments that mattered most to me. Uh, and I shouldn't even say that mattered most. It's just the, what, what moments mattered to me. And this could be a good thing. This could be a thing that I enjoyed. This could be a hurtful thing or harmful thing, just something that mattered that happened to me. And it's helpful for me because it helps me remember what happened instead of moving past that thing so quickly. And it helps me just know what is, what is happening in my life. Another practice is from AJ Sherrill and what he talked about with contemplative prayer on our episode. And even in his book, being with God of just learning to sit with God in silence and letting prayer be just that. Another thing, and this is also from him is just, uh, sleep as well. You know, he had, uh, you know, he said, you know, for the first, four, you know, typically you need about eight hours to sleep. He said for the first four hours to sleep, your body is recovering. And for the second four, your mind is recovering. And so paying attention to that, I'm trying to get better at no phone time as well. You know, early, like not starting my day out with my phone. And, um, I'm using a lot of do not disturb as well on my phone to just silence the distractions and be more proactive about whenever I choose to engage with my phone. And the last one is this, and this is from Steve Cuss as well, choosing life-giving activities that help me and doing fun for fun's sake and not doing it because it is productive, which again, very difficult for me now. One of the things that I was reminded of in my conversation with uh, Suzanne is that this is work that is it. You don't finish this work. You don't complete it. You know this is this is something that you work on literally the rest of your life, and it may not even be something that you mas- that you master, because all of us have our our points that where we're vulnerable, and we're not necessarily going to be great at everything, but we can become better at it. And she said, you know, for her, it's about, um, you know, thinking about people all of the time and that she's gotten better at it. And for me, the thing is, you know, about being better at feeling my feelings for, and I'm, I still don't feel like I'm great at it, but but I have definitely gotten better in it. And that, and things like that happens through paying attention and working on the interior life. Now, I want to leave you with one more quote, and this is from Pete Scazzaro, who has done a ton of work on the interior life and already you know, mentioned his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in, the, and in that book, he has this quote. 
Success is becoming the person God calls you to become and doing what God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. And th- and I would add, you know, through the Holy Spirit and through the interior work that the Holy Spirit does through us, that's how we become the person that God calls us to become and helps us accept what he is calling us to do. So just a note here, I had actually finished recording this podcast episode and I it just got me thinking that there's actually one more thing that I want to say in regards to the interior life that I forgot to add. And it's the, the importance that other people are in helping you build your interior life. There's so many people that whether it be through conversations or <laughs> it really is through conversations that they have helped me grow as a person through, and sometimes they knew and sometimes they didn't, but it's such an integral part of the, of developing a strong interior life that I would be remiss if I didn't mention it because I would not be who I am without several people in my life. And I am so grateful for them. And there's, uh, I, I would leave people out if I said them, but they know who they are because I tell them that all the time. And I'm so grateful and thankful for them. And that is the real end of this podcast. Whatever resources or uh, ideas that you heard from this episode today, I would encourage you to check out the show notes to continue to learn more about those things. Also, if you have an idea or someone that you would love for us to talk to in 2022, please reach out to me at learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. And I do want to say thank you to Garrett Oler for doing the editing on this podcast. And thank you to Sam Massey for providing the music for this podcast as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. That's all that I have for you today. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.